She got that window down, blonde hair down, blowing out of my Chevy. She got that indigo frosty glow everywhere she goes sexy. She got my heart, my soul, my back. She got my heart, my soul, my back. And whatever she wants, whatever she needs, whatever it is, she gonna get it from me. Whatever she wants, whatever she needs, whatever it is, she gonna get it from me. Cause she knows I got it back. Hello and welcome to episode 105 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Cauley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing good, Mark. Thanks for asking. And how are you, Jacob? I'm doing great. I think we got, you know, baseball's starting up and it's it's starting to be a very exciting time. Yep, six days until pitchers and catchers report. Um, just about two weeks until the first spring training game for the Blue Jays on February 28th. And then, of course, a little bit over a month away from the actual start of the season in April on April 1st. So it's very exciting as we approach the start of the season. But there's a few things to wrap up today. Not much happened this week, but again, just a few things to talk about. The first thing, the biggest thing that happened, um, if you can even call it a big thing, but David Phelps signing with the Blue Jays for a one-year, $1.75 million deal. Um, Phelps is not that great. He's been with the Blue Jays before. Um, He can earn um, an additional $750,000 with incentives, but um, this doesn't solve the fundamental problems with the Blue Jays, but it might just do the trick in terms of the bullpen. It might solve the problems that we have there. Um, Do you guys think this is enough for the Blue Jays to do to satisfy satisfy some of the needs in the bullpen? Do you still want them to pick up another reliever? Um, Do you think there's even time to pick up another reliever, uh, given that the Blue Jays also need to get a starter? What do you guys think about this deal? Well, I like what you just mentioned there, the fact that there are still fundamental problems on this team. And in terms of the bullpen, I think this move was fine. Uh, David Phelps, his numbers were elevated last year. He had a, he had two different stints with two different teams. He had a 277 ERA with the Brewers, but then a 1291 ERA with the Phillies. So definitely an up and down, very polarized season. But for the most part, like, he's he's good. He's going to provide more depth for this bullpen. He's 34 years old, so he's not he's not too old. You know, it's a one-year deal. Uh, he'll, he'll come to spring training. He'll most likely earn a spot. Uh, but I like what you said, how this this doesn't solve the problems that they have. Their bullpen, I think, is solid, and I really don't think that they need to make any more moves, but they need a starter. And one thing I thought about, and this could be totally wrong, and I don't know why I thought of this, but I I said to you guys briefly one day, do all of these bullpen signings kind of indicate that the Blue Jays are perhaps planning to promote internally, and instead of going out and signing Taiwan Walker, which if they don't do that, I think that's a mistake, or Jake Odorizzi or any of those guys, but maybe they're trying to put in Anthony Kay or somebody else in the rotation instead of signing an actual starter, which I don't know if I want that. I, I think they do need to go and sign a starter, but as of, or from the bullpen's perspective, I think it's perfectly fine. We know the back end's going to be absolutely fantastic. We know they have middle inning, uh, bulk inning type guys, so it's good, but they need to be done with, with bullpen guys because th- with spring training, like you said, with pitchers and catchers reporting in six days, they need another pitcher to get on that flight because their starting rotation, there's a big hole in there and they need they need to go and sign someone. 
Yeah, the um, I guess I don't know if it caught me off guard, this David Phelps signing, but it's something that I wasn't really surprised about just because this is another name where you add it to the Blue Jays bullpen where you're going to be relying on a bounce back type of season from him in order for this bullpen to be a lot better than what we see on paper because we have this similar situation with Kirby Yates with Tyler Chatwood of two guys who struggled in 2020 and who are going to need to have a bounce back year and it's going to be crucial for them alone for their careers but for the Blue Jays bullpen it's going to be one of the deciding factors for sure as pitching still remains the weakness on this team but it gives you some optimism we said we we are familiar with David Phelps from 2019 uh, he was used as a trade chip he was traded for Thomas Hatch to the Cubs that season later on so and he, he appeared in it was 17 games with the Blue Jays and uh, he did pretty good in that short stint a 363 ERA which is pretty good and uh, he finished off with the Cubs around similar numbers, so he seemed to be a good piece for the Cubs as well later on. But yeah, 2020 did not go his way. Uh, I guess it. Well, I mean, he did start off with Milwaukee, looked all right, a 2.77 ERA in 12 games, and then when he went to Philly, it, it, that's where it fell apart for him. He had an ERA uh, about around 13, and that and that was in 10 games. So somebody that you're going to need to rely on a lot. And when this, when you look at this, you wonder if maybe this is the last piece that they're going to add in terms of the bullpen. We saw them add an infielder yesterday um, for Joe Panic, a minor league deal. And now when you look at it, the remaining uh, hole that they have to fill in, and Jacob, you uh, briefly said about this, was the starting pitching. So who knows where they position th- themselves now? Maybe they're done adding relievers. Maybe you know these last two moves from yesterday are now having them primarily focus on getting a starter. We know that they're... The Jays are now remaining in close contact with Taiwan Walker, so it appears the, t- the sides are currently talking, which is good. And he's among a, a few options. There's James Paxson still available, who we've touched on. I'm sure Jake Odorizzi you can throw in there, but lots of names still available. And it seems that starting pitching now remains the last piece for the Jays as they um, acquire David Phelps for the bullpen. Joe Panic for the infield, and maybe they will be promoting internally, Jacob. There's lots of options. We went over this last week in our roster prediction. We all kind of had different relievers making this team, so that also shows you how it's nearly impossible to predict just because of all the names they have, all the different roles you can put them in. You know, if you throw left, if you throw right, there's so many scenarios where you definitely can promote internally, and uh, we, we briefly touched on a lot of names. Anthony K for sure would be one of them, as, even though I believe I predicted him starting off with AAA. Uh, lots of things can happen, and he's not the only one that can, you know, be a starter in AAA, but start off in the bullpen in the major league level. And of course, even if you start off with one decision in April, it doesn't mean that it's going to stick for a month. You can easily make a move a week later, you know, three games later. So lots of flexibility that this adds. But with David Phelps, you're going to need him to perform, like we saw him in 2019. And a lot of a lot of these pitchers the Jays have gotten are uh, low risk for sure in terms of. Yeah, I guess financially, but you need them to bounce back in order for this bullpen to take the next step. Because if these guys don't, then it's going to become a little bit of a concern depending on how the other guys perform and, you know, who's going to be carrying what, you know, the workload. You need everyone to contribute in some sort of way. So a little bit of a risk for the Jays in terms of performance, but financially, why not? It's a one-year deal and uh, we'll see what happens with David Phelps. But he was one guy I really liked in 2019 with this bullpen. So, um pretty optimistic and pretty hopeful that we can see him have a better 2021 yeah I am confident that they're going to be able to get these players to bounce back like you look at like over the years Blue Jays just seem to have a track record of making no-name relievers work like last year AJ Cole Rafael Dolis even to some extent Jordan Romano came out of nowhere so 
you have this history of the Blue Jays having success, getting under-the-radar names and turning them into something consistent, at least middle of the road, um, in some cases better with like guys like Rafael Dolis. You have this track record of them being successful with making these lower-key signings. So I think I have faith that the Blue Jays are going to be successful with these moves. Like Even though you said, like David Phelps, he wasn't great last year. Like you said, 6.53 ERA in 20 innings compared to you know what he was in 2019 when, like we said, he pitched partly with the Blue Jays, 3.41 ERA over 41 games. Like That is a good reliever, but he wasn't good last year. But I have confidence the Blue Jays are going to be able to bring him back up to what he was in 2019 or in 2017 when he had a 3.4 ERA over 55 innings. So I I trust that this is enough for the Blue Jays. And I think this goes to show that the bullpen is just not where their efforts are located right now. I think this shows that clearly they aren't looking to spend a lot or trade a lot of prospects um, to improve the bullpen. I, I think this shows that. I think they would much rather spend um, on the starting rotation, which of course we haven't seen yet. And it's weird because we've actually seen most of their efforts focused towards the bullpen in terms of these um, under the radar names. But I think we're seeing them save the money um, so that they could spend on a guy like Paxton, a guy like Odorizzi, a guy like Taiwan Walker, which again, like we say these names over and over and over again, those three names, but it's because those are the three names the Blue Jays need. They need one of those three guys. Um, and like we said, this offseason isn't going to be a success until they get one of those three guys. So, um, I, yeah, I think this just shows I have confidence the Blue Jays can make something of this deal. And I think it shows where their emphasis lies this offseason. One thing I'm starting to think is what if the Blue Jays are kind of they're, they're not going to come out publicly and say this. But what if their plan is to go with an opener? They only want maybe four guys. You know, we, we've. All three of us, if I remember correctly, our fifth starter was the one that was the most different in all of our roster predictions. So what if the Blue Jays, they plan on obviously using Robbie Ray, they plan on using High Engine Ryu and Nate Pearson, but what if their fourth starter is going to be somebody that earns it out of spring training, but then their fifth starter is going to be someone like Anthony Kay, who pitches maybe three innings in the beginning, David Phelps, somebody like that. I, like The more I think about it, I feel like if the Blue Jays truly wanted a starter, Obviously, they are showing interest in guys now, and they're, they're, it's looking like they're really pursuing them. But I'm starting to think that maybe the plan is, instead of instead of signing somebody that is going to bolster their rotation and really solidify it, maybe the plan is to say, hey, hey you know what? Every five days, we're gonna we're gonna have a bullpen day. You know, we've we've clearly stocked up on bullpen guys, so maybe maybe that's their plan. I don't know if I want that. I, I think, you know, I, I'm not trying to say I'm a more of a traditionalist. You know, this is how baseball has to be. But I do think that there is merit in having a starting pitcher be your starting pitcher rather than have an opener and it, it did work at times last year with uh matt shoemaker and nate pearson in the last week of the season but i don't know i think their focus needs to be on a solidified starter rather than say hey there are all these good guys that could be good for us but we do kind of rely on them to bounce back so that's just kind of how i'm looking at this at this point in the offseason you're bang on because unfortunately in my well from my point of view i hate the opener but it's here to stay. You know, I'm I'm a firm believer in your starter is your starter. He goes out every five days. And if, for me, you pitch until you're out of gas or you're struggling. That's how I look at it. Even going back to those playoff games where yeah, I believe it was Matt Shoemaker who started and he was pulled after, what was it, three or four innings because of a pitcher's limit. He was coming back yeah, from injury. Yeah, three innings. 
Yeah, so and even with, even with that, Jacob, when you mentioned how he was used as an opener, they were being very cautious with his injury, right? But yeah, the opener's here to stay. Charlie Montoya, we know the Tampa Bay connection. That's pretty much where it started, and it is going to be uh, used, I, I'm sure, at some points. Robbie Ray uh, was, I believe, he was an opener a few times. His very first appearance with the Jays, he was an opener. He came, he followed an opener. I think he came out of the bullpen after that. But either way, um, that's why you know one guy that Charlie Montoya really liked as an opener was Julian Merriweather, and that's why I think he will be on this team. Uh, I'm pretty sure I pro- projected him to be there, but even if I didn't, he's going to be there at some point during the season, and he will be used as an opener. And regardless, there's going to be scenarios where there's going to be injuries, there's going to be limits, there's going to be strategic moves where he's going to be used, there's going to be other guys used, and from that reason alone, that's why I, I do believe you're 100% correct, Jacob, with all this in terms of the the flexibility that they will have. But the opener, uh, it will be here to stay. I just don't know how much they will use it this year, but we'll we'll see what happens with that. I'm, I am a little bit curious, but you know, if someone like Robbie Ray, I do assume that he won't be used as an opener that much. But yeah, Julian Merriweather would be, I guess, the leading candidate because for you know a few stints or a few times he did start as an opener, it went really well for him. So. Uh, that's the one thing that I look at from there. But, you know, going after a starting pitcher needs to happen. Uh, you know, I, you know, even Mark, you kept saying how we did, we keep repeating these names, but I guess it did work with George Springer because we kept repeating his name. So I guess the more we repeat these guys' names, the better chance it gives us to come here. And I guess for all three of us, uh, Taiwan Walker is somebody that we really want to come back. I know I like Jake Odorizzi, but, you know, it just seems that he's, he's, it's getting to the point where, it doesn't look like it. We just haven't been hearing enough the past couple weeks. It seems like it's going to be Paxson or Walker. And if that, if I had to choose from those two, obviously Taiwan Walker is the guy that needs to come back. Jacob, I know you're a full supporter for Taiwan Walker to come back. So I guess I'm going to hop on the train with you and say Taiwan Walker needs to come back. I think I have said that literally every single episode since the offseason started. Like, I, 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 I am... I don't know how else to put it. I desperately want this guy on their rotation, and there are some people that disagree with me. He wants to come me. back too. So I exactly he he I I I don't know how the Blue Jays have not signed him. He clearly wants to be here, and he was good with them too. That's the that's the big thing that I'm so that's just confusing me why they haven't signed him yet. Yeah, he's like we're just trying to speak it into existence at this point. Like literally every single episode, I guess the names we've mentioned are George Springer, Tywin Walker, Jacob Arizzi, James Faxton, like. It's endless. But yeah, I think I think the Blue Jays can get by without adding another starter. Obviously, they're going to be a, a worse team. Like, that's just the fact of it. But I think they could get by with doing a bullpen day every couple of days, um, as we saw them do in 2020. You know, they consistently rolled out guys who would open, guys who would take a few innings in the middle. But I think we saw that come at a cost in 2020. I think there was a reason that the bullpen was so exhausted by the end of the season. It was running on fumes, and that was only 60 games, but it was so, so exhausted. And that was because it was used so much. You know, even if you had a starter, they were coming out of the game after five innings, and then you had four innings that you had to give to your bullpen um, every single day, in addition to starting some games and going the whole nine innings for the bullpen. Um so that's my concern with this. And, you know, maybe the Blue Jays are trying to solve that problem, but by picking up so many bullpen names, by maybe running with a larger bullpen and, like we've mentioned, like a four-person rotation maybe and a larger bullpen. Um, but I, that's my main worry, and I think we have to see something um, specific from the Blue Jays to counteract that. Um, 
Maybe David Phelps rolls in there. Steven Matz, another guy who rolls in there. Tyler Chatwood, Ross Stripling. These are guys who can pick up a lot of innings and limit the load on the rest of the bullpen. Um, but that's my main concern with going with a, a bullpen start every couple of days. It's that the bullpen's just going to get worn down again like we saw it, it, it was this year. Do you guys remember, I believe it was until one of the final starts of 2020 where Hunjin Ryu finally went to seven innings? That see like <laughs> Mark, I know we you were if, especially you you were skeptical of some of the moves Charlie Montoya did, but I just feel like entering a full season now, I feel like it's going to be a topic that we come across again in terms of holding these guys back. Like Hunjin Ryu, I understand the injury problems and the injury fears, but if he looks good, you could let him pitch. Like I don't understand how you pull him out of the game each time at the sixth inning, and it finally took until the last start of the regular season. Or it was one of the the final ones where he finally hit seven innings. So. You know, I I just I don't know how I feel about it. I I'm guaranteed, like I'm full on confident. I'm willing to say it 100 percent that we're going to be talking about this at some point this year. There's going to be, especially in a full season of 162 games again, there's going to be such or scenarios where we look back and say, why are you pulling this guy out of the game? But yeah, like if especially if they don't add another starting pitcher, you know it's going to come down to that route again of more times of being an opener. That's the one thing where you look at it. And if you bring someone back like Taiwan Walker. Or bring in James Paxton, another starter. Maybe it limits the amount of times that we see an opener. So that's another reason why I just I'd rather them watch, or I'd rather watch when they have you know five starting pitchers, regardless of the opener. So that's the other thing. But you know I, I don't really know how I feel about it too much in terms of um, where this team, even if this team doesn't add another starter, you know they're obviously going to be worse. Like uh, Mark, you did mention that, but. You know, who knows how worse, like, I just, you don't know how bad it could be because it could be a lot worse than what we're saying. And they could be running on fumes as well. That bullpen was worked heavily last year. And if the, I guess the only good part of this season is that the minor leagues are going to be coming back. So you're going to have a lot more names to choose from, but you don't want to see them running out of fumes by, I don't know, the end of May, early June, like around near the start of the summer. That's not going to be good for a team contending. And, you know, maybe a team like the Jays looking to add sometime in the summer, We'll see what happens, but you know, for the for the sake of reducing the amount of times there's going to be an opener, please bring back one of these start. Please bring in one of these starting pitchers because I just want to reduce it as many times as possible. I know there's going to be scenarios where there's going to be injuries and limitations where we will have to see it at some points, but you know, it just this team gets even better when you bring one of these guys back. So uh, we're getting close to pitchers and catchers report. We're about a week away, I'm about two weeks away now from the very first. Uh, Grapefruit League game for the Blue Jays. I know the schedule was readjusted just recently to limit the travel for the teams in Florida. So it is exciting that we're getting to this point. And, you know, the starting times are starting to come out. The Jays are on ESPN on opening day. There's lots to talk about in this, but it's just exciting. We're getting closer to that part of baseball every day again. And, and I missed it, especially at this point of the year where last year we were talking about the virus and months of labor disputes. We can save that for the winter because we know it's coming. But you know, we're going to be talking about baseball within the next couple of weeks until September, we hope. So uh, it's just, it's exciting now. We're getting close. It is very exciting. And I think, like you said, like going back to that conversation about Charlie Montoyo and pulling guys early in the game, like, yes, we're going to be talking about this a lot. And maybe we should like have a full-blown conversation about the Blue Jays managerial practices and what we want to see changed in a full season. But like you said, I don't think it is possible to do what we saw last year over a full year. I just don't think the Blue Jays can survive if they manage 
the pitching staff, the rotation, the bullpen in the same way they did in 2020. I don't think they can. I think we saw in the postseason, in that series against the Tampa Bay Rays, the cost of managing your pitching staff in that way. So I, I just don't see it positive. And like over a 60-game season, it worked for the Blue Jays, right? Like they were successful pitching-wise. We saw guys like Kyunjin Ryu. He was worth three wins above replacement in 2020. Like that's insane, especially over 60 games. And like you said, not even pitching into the seventh inning a, sing- a single time and still being worth that much war. That's crazy. Like obviously they were successful in limiting workload for their starters in keeping guys fresh, in making sure they were at the top of their game for the starting rotation. And it worked to success. But I don't think it will over 162 games. It's a different dynamic. You have to protect your relievers. You have to keep people fresh. So I don't think they can manage this pitching staff the same way. I think they have to put some sort of workload onto the starters more than they did this season. Or else we're going to see some sort of um, disaster in August, in September, with the bullpen. I think it might even be before then, because the Blue Jays played 60 games last year. Well, every team did, but that is only 37% of what a regular 162 season would be. And I'll be honest, in September, I saw some terrible performances. You remember, there were two games against two different New York teams, the Mets and the Yankees, where they just, I believe one of them, was they allowed 20 runs, in that entire series, they allowed like 32 or something like that. And then against the Mets, they lost. I, I don't remember exactly, but it was definitely high yeah, double digits. Yeah, I think digits. it was a 37 runs mm-hmm. that they gave up to the Yankees in one of those series, which is like the most ever in a three-game series. Or maybe it was a four-game series. I don't know. It was a record of some kind. Yeah, it was it was an absolute mess. And we saw we saw some some definite regression. The, the bullpen was definitely starting to show that it was getting tired. And if... If, if, if after 37% of a season, your bullpen appears overworked, I don't even want to know what happens come, you know, June, July, because they played just over two months, if I remember correctly. And that only gets you to June. So you can't, you can't go into the middle of the season when you're supposed to be competing for a pennant or a wild card spot or whatever the case is. You can't go into that with a tired bullpen. And that's why, I mean, an opener, I don't know. I mean, I'm willing to accept change and see, you know, differences in how people want to manage games. But at the same time, if you have a starter, they need to treat him like a starter. Allow him to pitch until he proves that he can't. I don't know why after five innings, you know, he's faced the order twice, automatically pull him out because, you know, that's what that's what all the stats say. The the Blue Jays and really a lot of other a lot of other teams, Tampa Bay including, they, they just need to watch the flow of the game. They need to see what is going on and not just say, the stats say this, therefore this is what has to happen. Because they're going to be a completely different thing going on on the field. Yeah, and to take account of it, we're going to be back to a regular schedule, more traveling, more teams. Maybe that make you know, it's going to be a little different. It's like, Mark, it, you, you're right. It's not going to work out in 162 games. It's just everything's going to be different about it. But yeah, Jacob, you're I'm full on with you, man, about that in terms of these, the way the limitations are with these starting pitchers. A prime example, the World Series, Blake Snell, and then trading him, and then getting roasted by Wendy's on Twitter. Uh, that's just, <laughs> it's not a good sequence of events. And that's just something that 
You don't want for this team to happen. <laughs> you know, you don't want this happening anywhere close to what we saw with the Jays. So I'll leave it there. But, you know, I'm, we will be talking about this, I'm sure, down the road. Who knows how early it can be? Maybe it could be the first weekend. Who knows? You know, opening weekend is going to be at New York. So that's going to be a fun opening weekend. And maybe we get something there. If not, we'll have multiple times this year where we come back to this conversation. It's just going to be a matter of who was pulled early, why, the situation, what's where, where, where the team is at this point. But... I guess that's all we can say about this one for now. Yeah, and it took like exactly one day to get to this conversation in 2020 because there was a whole Ken Giles fiasco with Charlie Montoya. So we know we're going to be talking. about And just to like to go back to that point about the Yankees series that you were talking about, Jacob, it was September 15th to 17th. The Blue Jays gave up 43 runs over a three-game series to the Yankees. There was a 20-6 to game, a 13-2 to game, and a 10-7 to game. Um so, like, yeah, this is belaboring the point, but it it didn't work in 2020. Um, it worked for the rotation, but not totally for the bullpen, and something has to change. Um, but, Bryson, you mentioned um, the opening series, and we know that the Blue Jays are going to be on ESPN on opening day. Um, they're going to be, I think the game starts at 1, um, and they're one of three or four games that are featured nationally on that day on ESPN, which is obviously super awesome. Um, I don't know whether this is just because they're playing the Yankees or if it's because they're actually going to be an exciting team this year and people are excited to watch them, but it's really nice to see them get that kind of national love that we normally don't see them get just because of the fact that the fan base for the Blue Jays is not located in the U.S., so we don't see them get that kind of national media attention in the U.S., but it's exciting to see them get that kind of recognition again, whether it's actually because of them or whether it's because of the, because of the Yankees. It's cool to see them get that recognition. I think it's a little bit of both, to be completely honest. I mean, the Blue Jays, and MLB knows this, they are going to be a good team this year. Whether, or despite whatever is going to go on through the season, they are projected to be very, very good. And obviously playing the Yankees, you know, the the big marketable team in the U.S., I think that's just an added benefit. But one of the things, this wasn't, this didn't happen during a Blue Jays game, but I remember in 2019 when all of the American broadcasters came to Toronto for the Raptors in the, in the Golden State Warriors, I was watching Tim and Sid, and I can't remember which one it was, but one of them mentioned, said something along the lines of, you know your team's good when the Americans are starting to broadcast you. And I think, I don't know, it's just, it's just something that stuck with me because in, as a Canadian, you know, we, we watch everything on Sportsnet and whatnot, but you know, when you see ESPN or, or MLB network or all these other sports uh, broadcasting systems, it's just, it is an interesting thing. And I mean, I'll probably just end up watching Sportsnet because, you know, uh, Dan and Buck are, you know, especially Buck Martinez, that's who I've grown up with. Uh, But it's, it's a cool thing. It's, it's nice to see, you know, it's exciting to see national recognition especially for a team that's not even in, located in that country but it's you know it, it's a cool thing i'm i'm excited for it and i think it, the big stage is definitely you know they're throwing them right into the fire early the blue jays but i think it'll be interesting yeah other so i just want to talk about the schedule first because the fact that they're opening up in new york against the yankees i personally love that because i believe it was 2015 where they did the same thing they opened up that that was like it was the same day it was the friday uh, throughout the entire weekend at Yankee Stadium. I just love the opening weekend in New York against the Yankees, and this year it's going to be a little bit more special because obviously the Jays are in a better position to compete with them for first in the AL East. But here's the thing, too, with uh, the broadcast. So, you know, Mark, I'm sure you know or you can find the last time the Jays were on ESPN. But other than that, 
the only time the Jays were haven't not been on Sportsnet is when for I'm sure you guys remember is when Facebook was streaming the games a couple years ago, and that was painful to watch. It was, and all due respect to those guys, it was painful. So this that is was the so only, bad. <laughs> this is the only scenario where I will be fine watching a Jays game without Sportsnet. With all due respect to them, because I love them as well, Jacob. I love watching Buck and Pat, and I'm sure, I hope actually Pat's more involved this year in terms of uh, the broadcasting. But even Dan Shulman's in the fold now. But you know, on ESPN, I it's it's exciting because they're on the the biggest spotlight now. And as much as MLB is giving us more recognition, they're also sleeping on us because I don't know if you guys saw, but they were they posted the uh, standings projections uh, yesterday on their Instagram account. It was from. Uh, website, I think it was Baseball Prospectus or something like that. Yep. And they have the Jays third. So, that, I mean, it's one game worse than the Rays. But the fact that they have them finishing third is that they are sleeping on us at the same time is giving us recognition. But I'll, I will take it because it's something more than what we got last year. So, it's going to be exciting. Uh, opening day, or yeah, on Friday afternoon. It's an afternoon game, Yankee Stadium on ESPN. And I'm sure we'll see Hunjin Ryu go out there against Garrett Cole. But it will be... Very exciting. Uh, I don't know what it stands with the attendance that's going to happen, but either way, you know, baseball is going to be back in April, and um, the, that's the this is the only time where I will accept watching a game without sports. And if we're on prime time on ESPN, and as long as it's never Facebook again, so I don't know what the update was with that. Obviously, they didn't do anything last year because of the shortened season. I don't know if they do it again this year in a full season. I'm not entirely sure what the details are, but. Oh man, I just I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> it's just it's good to be on ESPN, and I am surely or I'm expecting it to be more than one time this year we'll be on ESPN for the Jays if it's I don't know against Tampa against the Red Sox anything and depending on how good the Jays do from where they're projected to go I'm sure that'll obviously have an impact but very exciting and opening day just getting closer and closer so I'm very excited. <laughs> now that you mentioned Garrett Cole. I'm going to say something that I know I'm going to regret, but I'm saying George Springer takes Garrett Cole deep on the first pitch of the entire season. Straight to center. On the first pitch of the entire season. He's, is, I know I said Biggio's going to lead off, but I think Springer's leading off game one. I don't know why, but I'm predicting that happens. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> we had the prediction <laughs> episode last week, but we're not done. Yeah, I think like a lot of fans love to make conspiracy theories out of the fact that the Blue Jays never get national love like they're like oh the league hates the blue jays like that's just not true we know that's not true i think like the conception that that is happening is only because the blue jays don't have a fan base in the u.s like what we see from u.s media the blue jays aren't recognized as much because their fan base doesn't consume largely u.s media so i think a lot of fans get that a little bit confused but yeah base they are sleeping on the Blue Jays a little bit. Of course, it's not actually MLB. It's baseball prospectus with those projections, but 85 and 77. Not a great look for the Blue Jays on that. They're um, projected to be worse, according to baseball prospectus, than the Rays, than Cleveland, than the Angels. Um, It's not looking great. Only five wins better than the Red Sox. So those projections are not favorable to the Blue Jays. But again, that's not, that's just a computer spinning these numbers out. Like, that's not any one person saying one thing or another about the Blue Jays. But um, yeah, I think take, take the conspiracy theories with a grain of salt because the Blue Jays aren't recognized as much just because they're 
fan base is not located in the U.S. It's nothing personal. It's no targeted animus towards anyone. It's just that's that's how it works. Yeah, it's just I I don't know. Maybe we it just it would be nice to get a little more. But yeah, you're right. The fan base isn't the greatest, and I'm sure you know that also draws away people who have interest because they're in a different country. But uh, yeah, I, Mark, I didn't even get to look at the other teams in the American League from that. I was only looking at the AL East, but those teams, the Jays are supposed to be worse than Cleveland, and I just that I wow, and especially because we did the predictions last week, and I believe all three of us were over or at least at ninety wins. So we definitely have a little bit of a different uh, mindset and opinion, but that's, I guess, an easy projection to surpass. So I guess that's the, the one good thing about it. But yeah, I don't know how I feel about them being worse than Cleveland or even the Angels, So or and especially Tampa, because even though it's separated by one game, uh, that just, yeah, that might be a little bit of a, um, I guess, an over-exaggeration in terms of them not being as successful, but we'll see. Uh, I just I think I think they are sleeping on the Jays and I think they will be better than that. So just I guess the Jays will do the talking on the field. I think Major League Baseball also heavily is not considering what moves the Blue Jays we uh, are expected to make. And we we've said in our predict in our projections that we expect them to go get a starter. And if they go get a starter, then we expect them to have this record. So I think Major League Baseball is just saying right now this is what the team is supposedly going to look like, but. Yeah, it's it, whatever. I mean, I'm a Raptors fan too. I'm used to you know seeing the the U.S. media basically not ignore the team, but realistically, they, they primarily focus on the on the American team. So it's like you like you guys just said, it's it's a great thing to prove them wrong, and I think the Blue Jays definitely will do that. All right. In other news that happened this week, um, we have the Blue Jays designating. Shun Yamaguchi for assignment. We have them picking up uh, Joel Payamps from the Red Sox off waivers. This goes against directly my prediction from last week that Shun Yamaguchi would make the opening day roster. So I'm already down for the count on one prediction. Uh, but what do you guys see happening with Yamaguchi after this? I mean, he can refuse to go to the minors. Um, so I assume he would just become a free agent if he does refuse to accept his assignment. Do you think he will accept the assignment, first off? And second off, if he doesn't accept it and becomes a free agent, do you see a situation, maybe this is a little bit outlandish, but where the Blue Jays re-sign him to a minor league deal? Because I don't think the market would support him really signing with another team. Maybe another team takes a chance on him, but I could see him rejecting it, testing out the waters, it not really working out for him, and coming back to the Blue Jays. Yeah, that's I, I'm going to agree with you there. I think that's probably what will end up happening. Uh, I don't think he will accept uh, a DFA. I, I do think he will try to test the market, but I don't know. Even if you're the Blue Jays, I don't really know what they expect of him. I mean, they could you know, re-sign him to a minor league deal, have him come to spring training, which, first of all, I thought he was going to come to spring training. I think I thought... If he was to be let go or have have something happen to him, I thought it was going to be in the spring. But yeah, it's just, I don't really know what's going to happen. I predict he will probably not accept, try to find somewhere else for him to play. But if it's not the Blue Jays, I don't know if it would work anywhere else. Just because if you're, if you're any other team, unfortunately for Shun Yamaguchi, he just hasn't had the time to prove himself. And he was very up and down last year. He had stretches where he was okay, but then he also had stretches where he was just terrible. And 
for, for the most part, like the league is, they're just going to have to, or, or Shun Yamaguchi, I think he'll, he'll test the waters, but I don't know how successful it'll be. Unfortunately. I actually take back what I just said. I thinking about it. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to be, des- he's, he's going to ex- opt out of his contract. He's going to refuse the assignment. And I think the blue Jays are done with him. I, I don't think they want him anymore. That's uh, after think. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that happening. Well, you know, should he accept a minor league um, assignment? Yeah. Will he? Probably not. So that's the one thing, unfortunately. But clearly, when you look at his numbers from last year and his performance, he was not ready. He wasn't ready at all. Going back to spring and last or last March in spring training, he was struggling. He was struggled this season. His ERA was eight oh six, and that was in seventeen games. So obviously not ideal. And Jacob, I think that you know, going back to what you said about how he's not going to start with the team in the spring, I feel like. Maybe they that was the original intention for him to come to camp, but unfortunately Joel Pams or ended up on the market or on waivers at least, and I think that was just an opportunity that came up for the Jays to claim him. You know, with Pams, he's only been in the league, he's only pitched two years in the um, the MLB 2019 and 2020, both with Arizona, career ERA of 3.86, so not bad. Even though he's only appeared in four career games, so obviously not a great sample size either. So I guess in those few appearances he's had, he's been I guess stable. And um, I guess it's just someone that the Jays are going to be taking the chance on after taking a chance on Yamaguchi. For him, I don't really know if anybody or, you know, it's just the market doesn't seem like it's going to be there for him. Um, maybe a team gives him a shot. I wouldn't be surprised, but I feel like he's not going to get what he's looking for. And I can even see the scenario where he goes back uh, to Japan. So that's the other thing. But it's just... Um, you know, we, me, Jacob, both of us, me and you, or you and I, sorry, didn't have him projected to make the team for us. So that's the one thing we didn't, there wasn't, you just didn't feel like there's going to be a lot of, um, or he wasn't going to have a big role this season with the team and the Jays were going to, I guess, look elsewhere in terms of flexibility and options. But I'm sure the Jays would love him to go down to the minor leagues. And I think that he should in, in terms of what he posted up in his first year in the MLB. He clearly wasn't ready and clearly was struggling. So there's a lot that he needs to work on. But, you know, very rarely do you see people accepting minor league assignments, and which is why I'm not very optimistic he does. And he either will probably get another chance with somebody else, but maybe that also includes a minor league contract. And if not, he's going to go back to Japan. So that's why uh, I'm not too optimistic about it, but I'm also not too bothered by it. But we'll see what happens. And um, if somebody the Jays took a chance on, that's what happens when you look at players overseas. It's going to either work out or it won't work out. It's kind of a chance you take. And for Joel Payams, he ended up on waivers, and now the Jays are going to take a chance on him. So um, I don't mind it at all. And for Yamaguchi, I do hope he could uh, accept a minor league role and potentially pitch for the Jays in the spring, though. So uh, we'll see what happens with that one. But I'm not expecting too much to happen there other than him requesting a release. Mm-hmm. And speaking of minor league deals, the Blue Jays um... – this week, bringing back Joe Panic on a minor league deal. I, okay, I'm a little bit torn on this. Some people think that this is, that Panic is guaranteed to make the roster. I think he is a backup plan. I think what we saw that the Blue Jays needed prior to this week was potentially an impact bat off the bench. I think, I I think we knew that they were in the market for an impact bat off the bench, but we're not going to pay full out for it. It was low on the priority list, but it was something they were potentially interested in. We see they still have interest in a guy like Justin Turner, who could um, fill in that role, maybe at DH, maybe at third base, um, that kind of guy. I don't think Joe Panic 
is that guy. He's not a high-impact bat. So I said on my Instagram post that it's a little bit underwhelming. It's an underwhelming solution to the problem, and I don't think he's guaranteed to make the roster. Some people got upset with that because I guess he was very well-liked in 2020. People liked what he did, but I do think it's underwhelming. I don't think this solves the problem that the Blue Jays had. I don't think it's a big problem. I don't think they have to solve it, but I don't think this move does solve it. It's a fine backup, but it doesn't solve the problem, um, and he's not guaranteed to make the roster at all. Um, I don't know if you guys agree with me on that, but apparently some fans disagree with me. Well, I actually fully agree, and... I, I did a bit of research because I looked at who's going to be on the Blue Jays bench, and I predicted Santiago Espinosa. If I remember correctly, all three of us were in agreement on that to to an extent. And with Joe Panic, he got into 41 games last year throughout shortstop, second base, and third, uh, pretty much equal throughout those three. Uh, so good for him. He had a 99.3 field percentage. However, I, I paid attention to what he's projected to do this season. And he's projected to have a 238 average with a 315 on base percentage, which it's okay. It's not terrible, but the Blue Jays do have other options. And speaking of other options, I mentioned Santiago Espinal. He is, last season he had a 267 average with a 308 on base percentage in 66 plate appearances. He didn't play in as many games, but you know he still, in the small sample size, was not terrible. And Baseball reference has him projected to hit 249 with a 323 on base percentage, which is better than Joe Panic. Uh, as I mentioned, didn't play as much. He had 18 starts, uh, 21 appearances, so about half of what Joe Panic did. Uh, his defense was on par with him, uh, just actually 1% below his field percentage. Uh, and they're pretty equal players. They're going to usually hit towards the bottom of their order, uh, turn turn the lineup over, things like that. Uh, the only difference between those two is Joe Panic is a lefty and Santiago Espinal is a righty. So, and I know Bryson, you said last week that the the Blue Jays should bring back Derek Fisher because he is a lefty. And when I look at their bench or their roster in general, they have Kevin Biggio, who's a lefty, and Rowdy Telez. So, definitely uh, heavily swayed towards the right hand of the plate. But I don't think that's enough for him to be on the bench because if there are other options. Like I think he would be he'd be a decent option, but he would really have to prove that he is he is going to stay on this roster because there are other guys that even with Espinal, I mean, who knows? He is still unproven, only with one year of major league experience, whereas Joe Panic has seven. But I don't think he's a lock to make this roster. He's going to have to prove himself in spring training. He's going to have to prove that he can hit and he can. He can uh, get time in in this already crowded infield, but I don't know. It's It definitely is to me more of a plan B. You know, we'll, we'll bring him back, see what he can do, and maybe he does make the team. But if he does, if he and Espinal are both on the roster, then that's going to mean somebody in the bullpen is not there, or they, they, take, they take away a position from the bullpen. But I don't know. It's just, it, it's a it's a decent move. It's, it's not crazy. It's just, you know, we'll bring him back and see what happens. Well, um... I disagree a little bit, just not to the fully extent of what you guys said, because I don't want to call it a plan A or plan B, but I feel like bringing Joe Panic in ends their pursuit of anybody in the major league level for infielders, and I feel like this completely turns the tide to primarily focusing on starting pitching. But yeah, the one thing I do agree with both of you is he's definitely not guaranteed to make the roster. Uh, that's the one thing for sure. He's on a minor league deal. He's cheap, and you know... 
he is a bench player, and I think the Jays liked him in twenty nine or sorry twenty twenty. I think they liked him a lot. And when you look at his numbers from last year, um, a three forty on base percentage that that's impressive, and that was in. Uh, 41 games and that's the one thing about Joe Panic is you know going through all of his career numbers as much as he has fallen off the past couple years his on-base percentage going in his entire seven-year career has always been above 300 and for a bench player anything over 300 for an on-base percentage uh, I consider that good and and if where you are for a, a bench player obviously for anybody or for a starting player or anybody in the lineup it's suitable but you want to have a high on-base percentage, especially someone like Joe Panic who walks a lot. You know, the OPS is still down, but the on-base percentage brings the OPS up. The slugging percentage is low. The average is low. Joe Panic can field. And that's why I do think that he will now make the roster over Santiago Espinal. I think he does. And from my, my prediction last week, since Derek Fisher's been DFA'd, you need a left-handed bat on the bench. Joe Panic is a left-handed bat. That gives him the advantage. Over Santiago or Santiago Espinal, who can now play in the minor leagues as well at the same time, and he doesn't have, just have to sit in the taxi squad. He can actually still play regardless of what level it is. And Jacob, you even said it; it's very right-handed heavy on that bench and even in that lineup. You need as many left-handers as you can get. And if they're going to bring in Joe Panic for a cheap, you know, viable or variable option, then go ahead. And uh, yeah, but he definitely isn't a lock to make the team. I just think that this ends any kind of pursuit for any other infielders. And this kind of completely turns the tide on starting pitching. So that's the part where I disagree, but I won't call it a plan A or plan B because obviously anything can happen still. I will never rule anything out for a trade or anything like that. But for Joe Panic, the one thing that helps him is his on-base percentage. And if you take a look, it's always been above 300. And I think that's a big attraction for someone who wants to come off the bench potentially in any point of the game because you know that he's got a good chance of getting on base somehow. Yeah, I just don't think he's a lock for anything I'm not knocking this deal I think it obviously the Blue Jays have to build depth somehow and they have to allocate their money somehow and like I said the priority of getting an impact bat off the bench is low on their list and this deal is fine to satisfy that but I don't think it totally solves it so again not bad by any means but I just don't see it as the be-all, end-all, and I think spring training will matter a lot when it comes to what we see out of Santiago Espinal and what we see out of Joe Panic. Yeah, I don't know. I I also think of the philosophy for Moneyball. I don't want to compare anybody to any players, but he gets on base, and that's all I'll say is because that is definitely one of the reasons that keeps him, I guess, around in the Jays' plans, and they liked him as much as anybody liked him or not because he did get a lot of... Um, he didn't get a lot of support at the beginning, I'll tell you that, from what I remember. But as the season went on, he slowly and slowly got some support. So you know what you're going to get out of him. He's not going to be a superstar. He's going to be at the bottom of the lineup if he plays. And if not, he'll be on the bench and maybe come out some points of the game, maybe come on on defense because he can also field. So it's a good cheap option. But yeah, definitely not a lock, especially if he's on a minor league deal to make the team. But I still think he does now over someone like Espinal as well because of the age. Maybe gives Espinal more time to play in the minor league since they're expected to return this year with the restructured format, but they are going to be playing supposedly. So that's the one thing I look at now, but can't rule anything out from happening. So that's why I won't call it a plan A or plan B. I just think that this kind of ends anything to do with offensive or anything to do with the lineup in terms of free agency. It's got to be primarily focused now on starting pitching, even over bullpen or bullpen arms. Now it's got to be, primarily focused on starting pitching, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast. 
All right, well, I think we'll wrap things up there. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode of Section 138. As always, you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash section138pod, which you can also find at the link in the description of this podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at section138pod and stay up to date with everything we're doing. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Carpet class when she wanna go out on a city. She got that red dirt swag when she wanna get nitty gritty. She got my heart, my soul, my back. She got my heart, my soul, my back. Yeah, she got that.